0: Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports.
1: And good afternoon. Welcome to Sandy and Sean on this 25th day of April 2023. Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 1075 HD. Our caller text line remains 303-831-1340. We're streaming on MileHighSports.com listen and the free Mile High Sports app. Our producers, as per usual, Danny Bailey and Andrew Detmer. Sean Drotar will join us shortly as uh, we begin today with uh, on ice and especially off ice regarding the Colorado Avalanche. As we know by now, Kale McCarr has been suspended for Game 5 as a result of his hit last night and subsequent penalty, which was reduced as the rules call for. From uh, a five-minute major to a two-minute minor. Nonetheless, big play in the game because on the subsequent power play, the Seattle Kraken scored to take a two-goal lead over the Colorado Avalanche, who came back in the second period with the equalizers. Goals by Nico Renton. Made it 2-2 after two. It stayed that way through the end of regulation. The Avs lost 3-2 in overtime. On a goal by Eberly on the power play as a result of a tripping penalty assessed against Josh Manson. And irony of ironies, McCarr happened to be on the ice on his knees as the winning goal was being scored. It was in many ways a poor night for Kale McCarr. And now he is suspended for game five. And the cloud that hangs over the avalanche in this series doesn't necessarily have everything to do or even all that much to do with what has happened on the ice. The series is tied at two games apiece. There are other NHL playoff series that figured to be easy for the favored team that are also tied at two games apiece. But the cloud that hangs over the avalanche right now is the status of Valerie Nashushkin. And I thought, and Sean has joined us, and we'll get his reaction. I thought Adrian Dater, in a column entitled Reporting in the Modern Era, the Nashushkin Story Dilemma, subheadline is Reporting on a Player's Personal Reasons Too Much in Today's Sensitive Age. And Adrian establishes through his reporting, as a matter of fact, after making a very early morning call to Nishushkin's agent, and then doing some poking around, discovered that on Saturday afternoon, the Seattle Fire Department and EMTs, maybe the police department too, came to the ABS hotel on an aid service call. All this happened about an hour before Nishushkin left the hotel and left Seattle itself with the team described personal reasons, explanations. Uh, Dater's concluding remarks, and we'll get into the column a little bit later, uh, consisted of the following. Something clearly happened at that hotel on Saturday. But I can't just report on what I have heard, quote-unquote, and what I know as an absolute fact. The Seattle Fire Department. And EMTs were at the ABS team hotel yesterday afternoon. That is an absolute fact. Nashushkin was whisked out of town right afterward. Are they connected? Data writes, I don't know that for a fact. Maybe not. I'm not saying there is a connection, just saying what I know to this point. I feel confident in saying this much. This has nothing to do with Nashushkin being drafted into the Russian army by Putin. That's pure. Horse hockey, right? Uh, It's still in the interest of Avalanche fans to know those attending and merely watching from a distance. Game five tomorrow night doesn't mean every single little detail about Nishushkin's private life has to be revealed. Of course not, not at all. But, like it or not, what happened with him is a story. And Adrian Data writes, last I checked anyway, it was part of a reporter's job description to get the full story but maybe i'm being too quaint in my older years i agree 100%
0: with adrian date he's uh, not being too quaint a- and one could make the argument and and we'll uh, we'll see we'll see if we can we can talk to ad at some point obviously the you know we each go back a ways with him and and recently as well but the He's putting it in the right scenario here. We know the facts. We don't know how the facts fit together. We do know how certain facts, you know, when and what happened, but we don't know how they fit together and we don't know any detail. The challenge of reporting in this day and age that's different, oddly, is that the older school style of reporting to which AD was working on and uh, earlier this morning up in Sportsnet up in Vancouver, I have a, a quote that we'll hear from uh, later in in the program from right. another hockey writer who was coming up with similar facts that at least start to paint a picture.
1: Just requires a little digging.
0: Yeah, and 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 you don't have to necessarily find out you know where where everything goes and how they fit together yet. You're assembling the story as it as it goes, and and there is an argument at times that until and it depends on the story. You know, we we've uh, I've been in the newspaper side. I haven't done what. AD's done, but I've been on the newspaper side before as an editor, and I edited the USA Today for for many years, and there are certain things that you will run with if they are complete enough, and there are certain things that you have to sometimes send back and say, there's not enough here, and you don't want to necessarily besmirch someone's reputation unfairly if you don't have enough pieces of the puzzle, knowing that what will be insinuated. And most of the time in our business, Sandy, when that happens, it ends up being relatively unimportant. I'll I'll, I'll kind of tip this sideways for him more before coming back to it, because you and I talked about this. The story of Jamal Murray last year, coming back from his torn ACL, the idea of when will he be ready? When will he not be ready? When will we know? know, how, How will it happen? And the Nuggets fumbled it a bit because they didn't really allow for the idea that Jamal Murray's... Mental confidence in the status of his knee was also part of the equation for his return. Now, where does this come over into personal issues? Because we can, it can be reported on. And I remember at the time, uh, you and I were on, on the show, that I had been talking with people who knew Jamal and had a pretty good idea of what was, that the, the, the Nuggets were being fast on his recovery. The Nuggets were pushing him. Yeah, they were pushing. They're definitely pushing. But, you know, where do you, where do you do this? This is what, where is the personal part of healing from an injury? Where does that, where is that line? Because is there a right or wrong on that? Now, this is different in this This case. is different. This is not an injury. Correct. And this is, and the and the Murray thing can be sort of innocuous. And so when you talk about it, yes, it was unfair. The people, there were the occasional suggestions that he wasn't tough enough, of which, you know, you and I remember going back, uh, pointing out to people, you're like, that's not fair. That's not correct. Simply saying that he is not mentally ready does not mean he's not mentally tough. In this case, it's different because the Avalanche and Chushkin's agent, the, all of this, it, they're trying to keep wraps on it, and they're trying to yeah, keep wraps on it for daggers, personal reasons. Yeah. That's okay. But at the same time, this old the older school style of reporting of where, you know, you had to go look at the public records and find when there were calls and see where they went. It's arguably now more valuable than ever. And I, and I do not mean to be unsympathetic. Uh, over the course of my career, and and Sandy, you're the exact same way, Uh, you and I almost always come down on the side of a player over a team. These are human beings playing a game, and yes, they are very well compensated in many cases for it, and Najushkin is very well compensated for his. At the same time, he's still a human, and the fact that this year he makes $7.5 million doesn't fix that, and so now you run into a spot where that humanity has to be taken into account. That said, he makes seven and a half million dollars. The he makes it for the Colorado Avalanche, who sell tickets, yes, and who sell all sorts of things based on the performance of their team. The reality is, in the nature of a world in which sports gambling is now completely inextricable—sorry—from inextricable, the nature of the industry itself, that has to be taken into consideration if you want the games themselves to be considered on the up and up, which is one of the reasons people for decades wanted to avoid that entanglement. Now, I personally think that it can be handled, and I think it has been handled, but I get why there's the concern. The optics are a concern. The argument that it's an old-school type of approach, I would argue it's actually quite the opposite. It's more necessary now than it ever was, because the teams now have the ability to control not only the message, but the medium. And I mean that quite literally. The organization that owns the avalanche owns the television station that they're usually broadcast and the radio station and that as well and in full disclosure i've worked on both of those right the radio station and the television station so i, I get that right but, but it's
1: infuriating to me and you know just to interject sure when people boast that they know the real story but can't talk about don't say anything. No, yeah, then don't say. Don't anything. say anything.
0: Because if you can't talk about it, don't talk about it, right? Right. I mean, if there's a reason say, you I, can't talk about it, really know, don't talk about it. But I can't talk about it. it. Yeah. Well, then you're not a reporter. You're just a shill. Because part of the trust of being with the the, the, the reporting situation is also understanding, trusting with the, the subjects of the story, and that means until you have a story, until there's something you can talk about, you probably probably does need to be kept in confidence. It does. Now, and I'm not suggesting that there's any, that that anyone has actually handled this inappropriately. I don't actually think anyone with with the Avalanche, with the staff, with the team, with the broadcast partners, I don't think anyone's handled this inappropriately, given what we know. Because it is hard to find the dividing line of what is personal and what is professional. But... It's what makes that kind of reporting maybe more critical than it was before, actually, not less.
1: Tell uh, Semyon Varlamov and Patrick Waugh about all these rules that seem now to be in place that you don't report on athletes' personal lives. Right. Uh, both were essentially cleared of any criminal wrongdoing. Jerry at Judy the very with the Denver Broncos police. as well. Jerry Judy, the same thing. Tell it to Jerry Judy.
0: Who had something that was totally off the football field that right. ended up being nothing whatsoever. That was personal. That was totally personal and was dismissed and entirely and li- to li- li- no criminal level. Right. And yet he was vilified,
1: vilified, judged to a
0: degree. Adrian, in
1: his column, asked the key question. Does any public figure who says personal reasons never have to account to the public for
0: anything they do? And the
1: answer to that is that's absurd. Of course they do.
0: If you want to maintain your status.
1: Right.
0: You can't have, yes.
1: just say personal reasons. We can, we can all say that. Everything's personal, ultimately. And this isn't hiding an injury, which the Avs themselves have acknowledged. To their credit, They're actually. not hiding an injury. I don't know if it's to their credit or not, but as much as we might not like the fact that they aren't very forthcoming, They aren't alone in that regard, for one. And number two, that's part of the game. Maybe even gamesmanship to a degree. And we'll get to this McCarr thing in a second, but uh, I thought it kind of rich. And I, by the way, agree with the suspension. But I thought it was kind of rich that the man who was the head coach at North Dakota, when Almost 13 years ago, Jesse Martin was hit by a North Dakota player named Brad Malone, a dirty, totally gratuitous hit that was not even penalized at all at the time. Jesse Martin's hockey career ended that night of October 30th, 2010 in North Dakota. Guess who the coach was? I don't want to hear that coach talking about how Kale McCard did something that was clearly illegal, suspendable. Yes. It's too bad. McCann is out. I agree with the suspension because the hit was late. It was late. And it it was avoidable. In fact,
0: I think they're fortunate. It was for game five, quite frankly, that the precedent had been set a little earlier that, even without a history, it could be more than one. Game. It could be. I, I, the fact that they
1: reduced it from five minutes to two minutes, then to levy a suspension of more than one game would seem kind of absurd. Then, then fire the people in charge of giving him a two minute penalty. I don't know. Fire him on the spot. Fire him on the spot. It made a gross misjudgment. Gross misjudgment. There was no whistle. That's not a defense for what Cale McCarr did. What he did was late. It was totally unnecessary. I do believe he deserves the one-game suspension. But the fact of the matter is the officials didn't do their job either. They botched it. They did not blow a whistle. That's a fact. Again, that's a fact. And the last person I want to hear lecturing us on player safety is Dave Hatchstill who had many, 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 many players during his years at North Dakota, exactly like Brad Malone, who was an Avalanche draft pick, by the way, and who did spend some time playing for the Colorado Avalanche. Jesse Martin was the class act in the whole story because just days after he was leveled and sitting in the hospital. Temporarily paralyzed. Temporarily penalized. Broken neck. Halo over his head he makes sure that he contacts Brad Malone to tell him it wasn't his fault. Now, I think that's more than classy, actually, because it was Malone's fault. The hit was totally unnecessary. I've seen it dozens and dozens of times. But Malone certainly didn't mean to cause that that level of injury. But of course not. Of course not. And you can't factor intent into these things, because any player delivering any dirty hit is going to say, I didn't mean to. And I wasn't terribly impressed with Kale McCarr's comments after the game last night either. Um, I thought at least his choice of words, when asked about the crowd booing him, said it's funny I had a dream about that last night. Totally inappropriate. Uh, totally inappropriate. It was tacky. You know, you know the guys out. Not only out for the game that was just played, that was obvious he didn't come back, but undoubtedly you knew that he was out as they have. Openly acknowledged today, not only for game five, but probably for at least the rest of this series. Uh, assuming they don't advance, it will be however long this series goes. If We know it's going six, it might go seven. He's out. Um, when the NHL calls you in, they're going to suspend you 99 times out of 100. And they called Kale McCarr in, and he's suspended for uh, one game. Um, yes, I think some of the impetus behind the suspension lies in the fact that McCann got hurt and hurt
0: seriously and 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 was
1: unconscious on the ice.
0: And he's their best player on top of that. Uh, 40-goal score. You're not supposed to, of course, necessarily say that that's going to factor into the suspension, but the truth is You're not supposed to, but it does. But it does. It does, obviously. If you're talking about a a potentially series-changing injury, uh, that's... That's where it goes. And so I think that you, if you're the, the avalanche, you have a lot to have to put aside. And I think that, that Evan Rodriguez after the game probably hit the nail on the head here when he, and, and Rodriguez played a pretty good game, uh, including very good certainly, game. Putting, he's, he's, had a he's actually a had a very good series and uh, set up the screen that got ran his last goal and he's been good. And um, maybe becoming a bit of a leader in that that locker room this year, talking to an extent, rather gently, where other players were maybe talking about you know a little bit of bad luck here and there, a little bit. Rodriguez basically said, "We got outworked from the get go. Oh, yeah, uh, we got outworked no, all yeah. night. Good for him. And he's right. Good for him. And he brought it up, but he's 100 correct deserve to
1: win the game on on any number of levels. And I remember watching it." Uh, with with kind of a not my stomach after the McCann hit by McCarr. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I thought going into overtime, everybody's you know, well, Renton's going to get the hat trick and Renton's going to score. And I said, no, no, he's not. Uh, Seattle's going to win this game. They've been the better team They've all They've been more aggressive. Night yeah, they, they had been. All night.
0: Long. And they earned the they penalty they drew? Been
1: better. They did. Uh, Josh Manson. Could he I, a I wonder. More regular season I I wonder if he should be playing uh, at all. And now he's got to play because McCarr's uh, suspended for Game Five. But he has been nothing short of awful in this series, and I don't know why that would be. Maybe it's just pure rust. But uh, he's been awful. Seattle fully deserved to win the game last night. Uh, it would have been not a travesty, of course, but unfortunate had they not won the game and gone down 3-1, because this series should be 2-2, coming back to Denver for tomorrow
0: night's game number five. We will be back on this, obviously, but we will step aside, because following the CU spring game at their black and gold day, and I mean immediately following the day after, an exodus of players. What does that mean for the Buffs, or is it sort of the normal process when you change coaches like this? We'll talk about it with My Life Sports' Zach Seegers next. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
2: Joining us now is
0: Zach Seekers from Mile High Sports, the senior writer and editor for Mile High Sports for the Buffs. You can follow him on a line at Twitter at Zach underscore Seekers. That's S E A G A. My pardon, S E G A R S. My fault. Zach underscore Seegers. Uh, Zach, thanks for joining us. Uh, obviously, you know we uh, we talked about the the black end uh, and Gold Day, the terrific performance there. When you're talking about the the excitement around the the Buffs family and, and the excitement of 47,000 people, but then the very next day, a mass exodus of players, also led by Montana Limonius Craig, one of the guys who starred in that uh, in that spring game for whatever that's worth. The departure of that many players, including when you talk about Lamonius Craig, uh, the top two receivers, their top rusher, multiple players otherwise, 15 guys leaving. This was a one-win team, and I understand that. But is there a concern that there is too much turnover from one season to the next? Or when you bring in someone like Deion Sanders, do you expect a house cleaning?
2: I don't think you're worried about too much turnover because I don't think you're trying to win a ton of games in year one. You know, if CU turns it around and wins eight games in year one, uh, Dion's leaving with all the guys he just brought in, and you're right back where you you left. I think, honestly, if it ends up being a little slower build, that might be a blessing in disguise for Colorado, because then Dion will be here for two, three years, legitimizing the program, and even once he leaves, maybe it's a more appealing job. Uh, now than it was when you were, you know, trying to replace Mel Tucker. Um, so, so I, I don't think you can overlook that aspect of it. Um, as for the Exodus, I, I really don't think it's that concerning. I, I think you see all the names coming out, and it's like, whoa, there is a Colorado Buffalo leaving the team every 15 minutes. It feels, um, but when you look at it, none of these guys, I, I think it's that surprising that they're leaving, um, and very few. Uh, uh, I should say almost none of them are surprises and very few were contributing to this team last year or projected to contribute this year. You know, like one of the bigger losses is Jordan Tyson, who was a starting receiver last year, a a rare bright spot on that 2022 Colorado Buffaloes team. And he's transferring out on paper. That looks bad, but he would have been wide receiver six or wide receiver seven Mm -hmm. this year. Like he was barely hanging on to snaps. He might've not played a single snap this season and it wouldn't have been a big surprise. So is that a loss that's really going to hurt them this year? And again, that's one of the bigger transfers out. Um, a guy like Aubrey Smith, who was one of the 15 or so players to earn a Jersey number he's exiting. Well, he's, he was expected to be the fourth, fifth linebacker on the depth chart, and him getting his number was kind of just a way of motivating the guys in front of him. So uh, there's cases like that where I think at first glance it might look really damaging and really concerning, but most of these guys were expected to transfer out anyways. As of right now, as it stands, the influx of scholarship players transferring in and traders or players transferring out, isn't all that different. I think it's um, minus seven, minus eight or so. Uh, we're expecting Deion Sanders to add a lot more than seven or, or eight guys over the remainder of this summer period. So I think more guys are going to leave, and I think uh, Coach Prime should be able to fill those slots relatively easily.
1: Uh, the, the context of the question, though, isn't about whether the football team will be better, though. It, it's about taking someone at his word, and it seems fairly clear that these players, to a man, all say they were runoff. He says they left voluntarily. Somebody's lying. And if it's Deion Sanders who's lying, uh, your first lie comes before you've even coached a game. I mean, no school's put more players in the portal than Colorado has. That's a fact. Colorado now has seen forty-six scholarship football players enter the portal with 41 exiting since Sanders took over. No other Power Five program has lost more than 29 in this cycle. Players are saying they were run off. Sanders said earlier this month, we don't weed anyone out. That's a pretty stark difference in interpretation. And you mentioned uh Jordan Tyson. John Tyson, his father, says Sanders is full of it. My thoughts, he tells Sean Keeler of the Denver Post on Dion wouldn't be good, so I'm not going to say anything. It's a bad situation for us as a family. I will say that, and it's unfortunate, but it's the nature of the system. Again, I know Sanders isn't the only coach who runs players off, but Spare us the Blarney, of we don't weed anyone out. That's exactly what they're doing.
2: They're running people off. Yeah, I, I think it's part of this period. I, I don't. But think, why lie about it? I, I think because he doesn't want the. I don't think they're explicitly running people off in the sense that I don't think they're going to. Well, the players Zach say Courtney they're being run off and going. The, 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 I think he, they're being indirectly run off. I, I think <laughs> when your position between, coach
1: tells you. Uh, as uh, Grant Page's position coach told him that uh, he move on. You're running a guy off. You don't want to leave. You're telling him to move on. For for some of the reasons you may have stated earlier, that he wasn't going to be playing very much, if at all. But it's still a matter of, uh, listen, no one objects to the, act itself of running somebody off, okay? Uh, it, it, they were 111 last year. But, it, tell the truth about it, which he seemed to be doing for a while, and why on earth this month he chose to say, well, we're not weeding anybody out, when everybody knows that's not.
0: Well, right. Zach, hold, hold on one second here, because I do want to reply to that, and I want to give you a chance to, to come back at that. I, I, I think, to a certain extent, we may be dealing with semantics, Sandy, because there is that there is an argument to be made that you know this is a one-win team if the new coaches the new position coach looks at it and says hey you know what you have a couple years left on scholarship i'm not sure you're going to make this team given what we've brought in or given what we're doing you would you may want to go hit the transfer portal and find a better fit we're splitting hairs but I think at the same time, if there's not really an issue with the way that, you know, with your basically sort of quote-unquote running people off who aren't going to make your your squad anyway, uh, is that really necessarily the wrong thing to do, even if the way that, that you know, one side is going to say, well, they told me, I you know, I should transfer. And one person said, well, we told the guys, you know, who wanted to be here to be here. There's also saying, you may want to be here, but you're never going to play here. And so it, it ends up being a little more complicated. But, well, Zach, do, do you think that it's... Uh, is this a problem when you talk about uh, the, the the pushback from some of the players that are leaving?
2: Yeah, no, I I think it's exactly how you just described it, Sean. I think you're seeing it and I get why they're frustrated. I've had players reach out to me and say stuff's going on. We're getting forced out like and I think both can be true as Weird as that seems because they're conflicting ideas. I think the player's perception can be this new coaching staff is coming in and is running us off and is forcing us out of the program. And the coaching staff, to Sean's point, can be thinking, hey, we, the guys who want to be here are staying here. We're just being honest with guys and telling them, you know, they can't have a job. And when Prime talks to the media, he's a showman. I think he massages things he understands media he understands framing and i think he's going to frame it in a way that's favorable to him while maybe not being like fully lying um but i agree with what you're saying i do think they're pressuring guys out of the program at the very least um and yeah i do think that's a frustration but again what what do you want from them they're trying to overhaul this program and These guys, just to be real, weren't going to play. Jordan Tyson wasn't going to have playing time. Zach Courtney wasn't going to have playing time. Aubrey Smith wasn't going to have playing time. Um, And then the flip side is the players that are sticking around talk about how I came to Colorado because Prime's the only college coach that was honest to me. He didn't give me a BS sales pitch. He just told me how things were, and it was exactly that. Um, Dylan Edwards is quoted as saying that. Um, Travis Hunter's been quoted as saying that going back to Jackson State. So I think if you're a Deion Sanders guy, you get a really honest, I think even these old Carl Durrell guys are getting a really honest truth sold to them. I, I think it's just an uncomfortable one.
0: So now with the, with the team having a minimum, uh, at least presumably a minimum of 62 new scholarship athletes that will be first-year buffs, you, you talked about that, and, and I know that Sandy and I tend to agree. Uh, this is not a, a going to be a super quick build. I think the, the goal this year should be try to win six and get to a bowl game, and I'm not even sure that's the case. Do you get the impression that Sanders understands that as well?
2: Yeah, I I think he does. I I don't think he'll say that because it kind of goes against the coach prime ethos to be like, we're going to go 500. You know, that's not the, (laughs) I'm I'm the best corner uh, to ever play the game kind of mentality. But I I think there's um, understanding about uh, having reasonable expectations this year. And frankly, if they make it to a bowl game, if they win six games, given their schedule, given... You know, th- th- there are issues with losing this many transfer guys. I I don't think it'll hurt the starting uh, lineup too much, but the depth on this roster is going to be bad, I think. Uh, <laughs> there's a good potential, especially in some places, it could be um, really glaringly bad. Um, and that's going to pre- prevent them from winning a whole lot of games. If they manage to hit 500 in this first season, I think – um, a plus first coaching season, uh, from Deion Sanders, you'd have to be very ecstatic with that.
1: Yeah. But what if they don't win six? And I I think that becomes the question now when you do something like this, fine, uh, go win six, seven, eight games. But if you don't, uh, I, I I'm not sure the collateral damage is going to be, Seen as having been worth it, I mean so I, I understand on a one and eleven team everybody's expendable. but you know the, the Broncos were not quite one and eleven bad, but they have sacred cows you know and it, Sean Payton isn't coming in and and, 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 and again, I, I understand as a professional and a competitor why he's doing what he's doing. I get it. We've talked about it at some length, but it isn't the NFL and this isn't hard knocks. And it seems to me that there is something to be, if I'm a, a player on that team, even if I'm a quote unquote Sanders guy, I'm looking at that and saying You know, if I drop a pass in a game, is my position coach going to try to run me off the team? And it creates additional pressure on the kids and maybe even on the head coach and the coaching staff. They better win at least six games this year. Uh, There are other new coaches that, that are taking over bad programs, too. Not as bad as Colorado. They're not running
2: 41 kids off in a matter of days. Yeah, Uh, those coaches, I don't think, have the ability to pull all the levers that Coach Prime can. Like, the transfer portal thing is a new uh, tool for these coaches to use. And Coach Prime has shown he can use it better than just about anyone. That affords him the ability to add a bunch of instant impact players, something we haven't really seen in college football before. Um, You point out how it's not the NFL. I think the fact it's not the NFL is an argument for doing this. In the NFL, the difference between, heck, a team like the Lions or the Broncos, the team picking, or not the Lions, I guess it's the Rams pick that's up there. But, you know, those teams picking in the top seven of the draft, bottom of the league records, are not terribly different, the, the players on those teams, from the guy picking at the, uh, or the teams picking at the back end of the first round, especially when you compare it to the disparity in college football, a team like Alabama to a team like Colorado that was, wildly lucky to win a single game last year uh it's not in the nfl you can't just dismiss 40 guys and expect to be okay because they're just you're not going to make those dramatic upgrades in terms of talent like you can in college football because the talent disparity um is much 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 greater especially when you're talking about a program that was uh so bad last year and i don't think these players that are getting pushed out of the old Colorado program, if we're going to call it getting pushed out, I I don't think that's going to bother a Travis Hunter or a Jimmy Horn Jr. or an Xavier Weaver once he gets there. I I really don't think that's a concern. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, There's a reason so many guys followed prime to Colorado. If he was a coach that, dialed up your anxiety so much and was such a misery to play for, it'd be weird to me that we we see these players really love on him, want to follow him, and gush about him in all of their press conferences. The the one speed bump seems to be the Colorado players that were on a 1-11 roster and, and, frankly, weren't up to the standard that Coach Prime's trying to create in Boulder. Coach Prime just has the ability to overhaul it in a way that I think most coaches can't.
0: He is Zach Seekers. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Zach underscore Seekers. That's Z A C H underscore S E G A R S. Also on the uh, Let's Talk Broncos podcast, but over at MyLifeSports.com, uh, our tip of a spear for all of what's going on with the Buffs, not just the football team as well. We had them on for their basketball coverage uh, when we are talking about the tournament. So make sure you give Zach a follow and check him out at Life Sports. Zach, appreciate it. This is going to be a very, very exciting offseason leading up to a, one of the most anticipated seasons in CU history. Appreciate the time.
2: Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sandy, for having me. Uh, lots of chaos this summer. <laughs> yes, chaos indeed. That's what happens when you overhaul
0: uh, the, those situations. And, uh, you know, we'll have t- a chance to talk about it over the summer. But it is, uh, Zach did bring up a really good point, I think, at the end, Sandy. What we're seeing with 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 Deion Sanders' head coach, given the fact that CU is this bad, and has been bad for a good while here, but one win, the worst Power 5 team in America, now being able to recruit at the levels of the Alabamas, instantly is almost mm-hmm. unprecedented. Well, certainly certainly recruiting like a top 25 team when you were the worst team uh, in. Okay. And, and uh, like, yeah, let, let's yeah. say top 25.
1: Again, these guys haven't played a game yet. Yeah, and a lot of them are coming from Jackson State. I
0: get that. But uh, you're able to, to jump into the, the talent pool that you're competing with top 25 teams as a one-win team. It's almost unprecedented. We've never seen it. So it's sort of like the experiment is happening in real time. I don't know if we know what it means just yet. It'll Good point. Good point. It's just the extent
1: of the purge. And it is, the it way is it was done. I, I think you have to wonder about it. Ask questions. And I'm sorry, but I think it adds to the pressure to win and win fairly big this year we'll and see. you know a losing season yeah people can say if it's four or five wins that's four or five times as many wins as they had last year well he's coming in and changing the whole roster around these are his guys but they're exclusively young. but they're young. Uh, well yeah but that's when the excuses start wait a minute they're they're supposed to be alabama now and And I'm just saying, hold your horse. (laughs) I do agree with the point that if he wouldn't speak right away, it might be quicker to leave. I agree with that. Possible. And he says he's a change agent, and that's fine. I just, I wonder if it has to be done with this kind of cruelty. You can accomplish the same thing without the cruelty.
0: Want to know, and, uh, again,
1: you know, I believe the kids, when they say they were run off, and at the very least, they wanted to compete for playing time, and they understood their jobs wouldn't be handy. I think Sanders spoke initially to players he assumed would think just because they started last year, they'd have an inside track on starting this year, and he was right to speak to that and say that's not the case. Everybody has to earn their position. And if you want to leave, leave. these know, guys did say they didn't want to leave. Right. And he says they did
0: Yeah, there's obviously some s- semantics going on there that make things uh, uh, challenging. I want to know what you think. The number is 303-831-1340. There is no question that there is overhaul happening in Boulder. And uh, change, as usual, can often be quite uncomfortable. Uh, the Denver Nuggets had an opportunity to change there. to get a sweep. something they haven't done in a long time. They didn't do it. And they get it done tonight. Talk about that
2: next. On, heavy glow by the way I tried to say I'd be there. Hey!
0: Sandy Clough and Chantrotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Hasn't been so much fun for the local sports teams in the last couple days. Uh, Obviously, the abs lose and uh, suspension of the car, the situation with Valerio Nachushkin, injuries. It's been rough. The Denver Nuggets, less of a concern. Up 3-0 with an opportunity to sweep the series in Minnesota. They did not get it done. They played kind of flat. They had a great run to close it out. Uh, assisted by Minnesota's almost epic clumsiness in the final couple <laughs> minutes that, that uh, only Anthony Edwards was able to save them from what, what in is overtime. There in the
1: water? Because last night, Milwaukee is leading by 12 with 546 left. They get outscored 30-13. to down a stretch. This this is the the number one team in the NBA. Well, he was sensational, but Milwaukee beat itself at the end of the day. I mean, you're up 12. I don't care if he scored 76 points. He was the only guy doing much of anything for Miami. They're up 12 with well under six minutes to play, and they lose by five. I mean, that's— It's hard to do. 30 points? I know— that Butler scored a good many of yeah. them, but 30 points and 546. And then Memphis led 97-90 with 456 left, and including the overtime
0: in the last 956, got outscored 27-14. There, there is a thought, and that's interesting. We can dig into that because there is a thought I've had about that a little bit, too, because we've seen a lot of it. And yes, the, the playoffs. Golden the playoffs. State almost blew its
1: ball game the other day.
0: The nature of today's pace and space offenses, right? that have caused this wildly efficient offensive explosion in the NBA that's also made it really fun to watch, uh, very entertaining. But not only is it meant to sort of short-circuit defenses, which it does, but the ethos, if you will, of so many teams in the league is – We'll just outscore him. Now, it's not going full crazy Paul Westhead. Legitimately, do not play defense. We don't care. Score within the first eight seconds. But it does seem that teams, quite frankly, don't, whether it's coaching, whether it's the players, whether it's a little bit of both, and I suspect it's a little bit of both, teams don't seem to have the knowledge in a lot of cases, even the league's best, like you talked about, to understand how to hold a league by altering your offense with a lead. Well, teams don't seem to know how to – it's not as if the defensive right. effort there because right. we've seen good defensive efforts in this playoffs. The, the Nuggets held the Timberwolves to 80 in in, their, in in one of these games. But it is it, – it seems to me that teams' offenses have become so hardwired that even great teams like the Warriors don't quite understand – how to alter their offense, how, how to ramp it down and play with a lead. And it's less of a defensive problem as it is an offensive problem. Oh, I agree 100% with that.
1: And it seems to me, I want to know if you agree with me on this, that you're either going full speed, pell-mell, or you're bringing the game to a You're just bleeding crawl, the uh, clock out. And there's nothing in
0: between. And there should be something in between.
1: And there should be something in between, be something in between that, informs the way you protect the lead. My biggest criticism this year of the avalanche would be from last year, and it yes, I understand the injuries, they can't deaden the game. When they get up a goal, a two goal lead, a three goal lead even, they can't deaden the game. They don't seem to have that ability this year, and that seems odd to me. It and it It also seems odd with NBA teams that they have either zero to one hundred or nothing. Yeah, it seems, and then we saw that with Minnesota, and Minnesota's not the best. And Minnesota's not a smart team. But in addition to having that, they didn't run their offense by the coaches. They simply just let the clock in the last two and a half minutes of the game gave
0: it to a player to ISO. And then everyone knew when you're giving the player the ball, then the six seconds left on the clock, everyone knows who's going to shoot. So now you can collapse on them. Uh, You saw the Nuggets get multiple steals because of that, either from the player himself or trying to desperately pass out of the double team that they saw coming last second. And Minnesota is not the only team that has the issue. You you want to be able to run your offense, but run it at a slower pace. You don't want to just uh, have your cutters disappear. You still want cutters. You just don't need them running at full speed. You don't need sending waves of them. You still need guys to know at the appropriate time, I'm going to cut. Now I'm going to rotate back out. Now I'm going to set a potential screen. You, you don't just run the clock out. And that seems to be, at least in this NBA playoffs, a league-wide issue. As if coaching at some point, much like we've seen in baseball, uh, there's no incentive to hit the ball the opposite way anymore for more reasons than I can get into. But it seems that in today's NBA there's no real incentive to work on that kind of offense that, that will uh, keep your offense in sync without just chewing up the clock.
1: Now I know there are sections of games in which the nuggets do something along these lines, but I will say this for them. I don't remember too many games this year where they had a significant lead, significantly lead, like, Milwaukee had last night, like Memphis had last night, like Minnesota had on Sunday, like Golden State. Now, Golden State was up five with around two and a half minutes to go in the game, and Curry called a timeout he didn't have, and that can happen. There was some confusion because they challenged a a call that didn't get overturned, so they lost their timeout, and it happened to be their last one. But... I'll stand corrected if I'm wrong on this. I don't remember the Nuggets blowing a game because they didn't know exactly what to do at the end. And I, I attribute that largely to Jokic, yes. but to some extent to Murray as well. Yeah. I and think even Porter late year were making good judgments at the end of games. And, and again, I, I know during games there are stretches when the Nuggets well. stopped moving. Yes, That 51-27 to 27 stretch by Minnesota in game two over a 15-minute, 13-second stretch, a primary example, but that wasn't at the end of the game, and it didn't blow the game. They had to come back after having a 21-point lead and falling three points behind, and they were down by a point with about six and a half but they, they go, haven't they haven't lost they, they haven't
0: coughed up a game but in they, that they fashion they that haven't, I haven't they have don't it's been think, a while
1: i don't think they've coughed up games that way this year they they you know listen they've lost in some unappetizing ways but i don't think they've thrown games away and again i i think they have the uh, the best player in the world at their disposal, who keeps them from doing that? But Giannis is out there last night. Giannis, smart player. Yeah, he is. And they just, they just melted down. And I, I mean, poor Chris Middleton just got scorched in a way that I have not seen a good player scorched in quite some time by Jimmy Butler.
0: Three different games in the NBA tonight, including the Nuggets. All three of them double digit favorites the Celtics favorites to close it out against the Hawks by 13 points the Suns favorites to close it out against the Clippers at 12 and a half and the Nuggets 10 point favorites over the Timberwolves the Nuggets all
1: 3-1 series
0: all 3-1 series all could be wrapped up tonight the Nuggets for the first time don't have the very last game of course they are on NBA TV but (laughs) we'll get to that uh, in a (laughs) little bit yeah that's the trade-off we'll get more onto the Nuggets in a bit but obviously the uh, story surrounding the Colorado Avalanche after losing last night's game Uh, Kale McCarr's suspension, Larry Nachushkin's situation. There's a lot going on with the Avs. Unfortunately, not enough of it's happening on the ice. We'll talk about it next on MyLive Sports.